All right, here at the start of podcast episode four, coming to you live from Max's apartment, back-to-back in-person episodes. We're going to try and make it a thing. Uh, welcome, Max. Say hi to the fine folks at home. What's up? Um, so we are going to touch on a couple of different topics today. Uh, first appearance, I'll let you talk about your team a little bit. Give us a couple ideas what's going right, what's going wrong. You currently sit in fourth place looking up at Roma, Todd, and Crisali. It's a New York block party. Um, walk us through the squad right now, especially that trade you just made with Scooter. Yeah, so I'll kind of start from the beginning of the year. I'll talk a little bit about uh, draft strategy, and then we can kind of get into what's going on, I think, with the current team. So coming into the year, I was out a first... Um, which netted me you Darvis last year from Chris, which then netted me, I want to say, I think it was a 14th round pick from Roma. Um, but I was at a first, a sixth, a seventh, an eighth, a tenth, 11th, a 12th, and a 13th, I believe. I could be off, but that's pretty much what the top, uh, to be easier, I'll say I had a two, three, four, five, a nine, and then I started in the 14th round. Um, so I had Giancarlo as a keeper, Contreras, Luis Castillo, uh, Ozzy Albies, and I then traded you in the offseason for Gala. So I felt pretty good about um, my, my hitting, at least from a base. And coming into the draft, I really wanted to target starting pitchers because I felt like that was going to be a place this year where I'd be able to at least gain points on Crisali, which I think what happened with that thought was everyone targeted pitching so early because of how awful it was last year. Um, and I kind of, that stra- I still followed through with that strategy uh, the other thing I thought a lot about at the draft was taking guys that I thought I'd get a discount on based on certain reasons, but it had a lot of upside. So like a Lance McCullers was one of those. Strasburg even had some, he was probably the best pitcher available, but he has injury issues. Um, I'm trying to think about it. Adam Eaton has injury issues, but I think I got a discount on him. And I thought it was someone that I thought could lead the NL and run. So, um, Holes in my team. Um, shorts. Well, it's interesting looking back at your draft, right? Because no first-round pick. Strasburg in the second round. Price in the third. McCullers in the fourth. That's three pitchers to start things off. I wouldn't necessarily say that they've all lived up to where you drafted them, with the exception of maybe McCullers. Strasburg pitching well, but he's hurt. Then you go McCutcheon, Eaton. Eaton's missed a lot of the season. McCutcheon barely spent any time on your team. I hate Andrew McCutcheon. I did not want Andrew McCutcheon. So you spent a lot of capital on pitching early. Your pitching and your hitting are worth almost identical points right now. And if you look through your hitting lineup, there's like two guys in here who would have been there at the beginning of the year. Stanton, I guess Stanton, Eaton, and Contreras. Joey Gallo's riding pine. Botto, Cesar, Miguel, Kettle, Kane, Aguilar, and J-Mart was a super late round pick. So your offense is made up of guys that you spent like no draft capital on it's wild well and i'll even tell you i said it from the day i and the moment i picked him i don't like andrew mccutcheon but i think he was sitting there to me maybe in the fifth round and i thought that there was going to be a premium 
you know, on taking good outfielders because I thought that was a position that dropped off pretty quick. But I'm also a pretty firm believer in, and I've looked at the past four to five years of TPL history, after the first and second round, your chance of hitting on a pick go down to about 60 to 55%. And then once you get to about the eighth round, you're looking at at least a 50% chance and sometimes worse, um, you know, as you get later and picks that actually provide value to their round. So if it's not obvious as to how I operate now, um, I'm very willing to trade picks if I think it can get me somewhere, um, you know, in the season to get more money or, you know, a chance to win. I'm obviously not going to sell out and ruin a season like Marner did. Um, but, you know, I'm not, you know, one to shy away from moving moving picks. Well, you've also found maybe the most amount of value on the wire or late draft. I guess Andrew Hart was a minor league player. Um, yeah, maybe not as much as I would have originally. I mean, Jose Martinez is an 18. A lot of these players were trading. Pavetta was. It's po- I'm, I'm kind of... The, and like even your pitching, like your Pavetta, Tyson Ross, Caleb Smith's been pretty good. Like you can definitely put shit together out of nowhere. Yeah, and you've made some good trades too. So like the that trade you just made, second round pick, I personally didn't think we would see anything higher than like a fourth or a fifth go around this year. So obviously um, chalk that one up as an L on my part, but you felt. Like it was worth it to give up that second pick to go to go further than anyone else has at least. Well, if it's if a second round pick's gonna win me six hundred dollars, it's probably worth it. It's a third round pick if I don't get second, and my third round pick's probably gonna be near the end of the third round anyways. So I'm not trading my first. I don't think we see a first move this year. I doubt we even maybe see a second move unless somehow Todd and Chris get closer in the standings. Um, I don't think that either one of them is going to feel like Chris they need to go all in. Yeah, so there you go. So is Todd going to give a Todd, one? I don't yeah. think Todd has the balls to give a first or, or second round pick even to try and compete with Chris who's sitting at whatever it is, 137 now or something. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a ton of – our league is shallow enough, I think, that you can find a ton of talent um, on the wire. And I know – you know, we've had conversations with multiple people around how do we solve for there being that talent. And, you know, I'm fine with her not, you know, being talent on the wire because I, well, I feel like I find do a good job in, in finding things that... I mean, the only person on my team now from the wire is Kettle Marte on the, on the hitting side. Pitchers, I think, I think our league is extremely yeah, inefficient. Yeah, I guess it's more pitching. that you traded for a lot of these guys or they weren't initially, like, Andujar was a pretty big question mark, and he's been sick, and I think he's probably one of the most promising. He's probably more valuable than Raphael Devers these days. Hernandez has been an even better version of the underrated thing that he was before. Um, you know, Wilson Contreras and Giancarlo, honestly, have been a little disappointing for you, as have Luis, as has Luis Castillo, so... It's and even Joey Gallo to a certain extent. So like you've managed to kind of um, manage the fuck out of this team so far. A lot of the guys you spent high stuff on haven't contributed, but you found it from other places. So what do you think? Uh, have, I mean, I know you look at standings a lot. Have you thought about what your what you think you can get up to if everything goes right? What your season-ending point total can be, and what that what place that will net you. Um. I think between Todd, Roma, and myself, second is pretty 
within reach for all of us. I think Todd probably has the um, the leg up mainly because he's uh, dogged it in the pitching category. Not dogged it, but he's just slow played the the pitching starts. Um, but at the same time, I think you know I have probably seven to eight points in OBP. You know, Votto and Kane significantly are you know going to help when they're replacing a Gallo and a. Um, you know, someone else that, I mean, to be honest, Ozzy Albies past six weeks, he has like a 280 OBP. Yeah, no, he's really um, fallen down quite a bit. So, um, I think there's some things in, in offense I can definitely go up. I think by the end of the year, there's going to be people that just don't get 200 starts because they don't want to, they don't care to, or they're not paying attention enough. So, um, I think, you know, and people that try, I think will come back in ERA and whip. So, um, I think, you know, I probably have 12 to 15 points by the end of the year, um, probably conservatively. Mid-hundreds, mid like 107. Yeah, probably where Todd is now. And he, and he has probably 8 to 10 points he can go up in uh, pitching. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, I think, you know, Todd and, and Roma probably are – I would imagine both of them would say if you ask them – at the beginning of the year, if they thought their offenses would be doing what they're doing now, they would say no. Um, I think Roma's pitching is underperforming what we would have all thought it would have done. Um, but yeah, I think the, the the three people there, I mean, Hanny's coming back around. Um, Wilson's still got a good team. Wilson, if he, yeah, Wilson's team's awesome if, you know. But you're did, the only one who's been aggressively pursuing ways to improve your roster uh, well i'm the only one that's been successful at it yeah i think there's i think what have you made i think we've both made three trades i think i've made i did the o'farrell trade and um scooter trade scooter trade well i think there's also a big dichotomy in the league now between what people are willing to give and what people think they're going to get you've got an o'farrell trade on here yeah so it's just the two so far? Yeah, and there's an issue with people – well, I think the bigger problem is people are married to their players for one reason or another versus people thinking that they're going to get something that they're not going to get because the market isn't going to bear that this year. So I think that there's tons of people that are willing to trade, but there's not a lot of people that are willing to step up and offer them what they want. And you got to find a way to make it work in the middle. And I've been been successful in doing that, and that's – there's also a little bit of like I know I've talked to a couple people who um, are outside that. T- I mean, there's a couple different factions in the standings, right? You've got the the four who are over ninety. You've got Hannafin and Wilson playing in the eighties. Three of us in the sixties, and then three more in the forty fives. But with the new rules we have about you know finishing place, every every finishing place matters. Like, I'm more reticent right now to sell than I might have been in years past because I do want to get up to, like, 7th or 6th place if that's possible and not necessarily sell off, which, um, I mean, that's just for me personally, but I think that's having – it's at least affecting my decision-making, if not controlling it. Well, here's the thing. You have four people that are basically – four to five people at the top. You have in the middle there Wilson, who's not the easiest to do trades with. You have Cassius, who doesn't respond to trade requests for the most part. Um, and then you have the people at the bottom that are either trying to sell or trying to move back up. So 
there's only 12 of us in the league. Right. I and mean, like, Marner doesn't have much going as far as trade assets, at least now. Maybe Daniel Murphy turns into something. Um, it is hilarious that Goldie has just gone fully back up to what you would expect. I mean, he's got a little bit more to pull it up, but he's, OBS is almost up to 900. And O'Farrell's just leaving for 10 days. And he's going to come back, and Goldie's value is just going to be right back to where it would have been at the beginning of the year. Maybe Roma should offer him Nimmo for Goldie. He might accept it without <laughs> knowing what Goldie's been doing recently. <laughs> or what Brandon Nimmo's been doing recently. Although, yeah. uh, Brandon Nimmo would have to go full Mike Trout for, for that yeah, yeah. something to consider. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot of... Like, Todd's not going to trade with me. Roma's not going to trade with me. Chris isn't going to trade with me. Handy's now close enough that he's not going to trade. You wouldn't. You wouldn't try and get Todd in on a challenge trade. See if he would. See no. if he would be willing to go at you. Why I'm happy you, to do a help me. Fifty more games played than Todd. I'm happy to do a help me help you type of trade with Todd, but he's Todd. Not. Todd will never come to the table and make an offer. He just wants to hear your offer and then turn it down. Because he's scared that we're somehow going to. I would make a trade with Todd if. I'm like, hey, you need pitching. I have tons of good upside pitching. I also think that there could be some opportunities for three-team trades. Um, You know, with one person giving up a pick, one person giving up a keeper, people that get different things back. Uh, We were talking about one that almost had some legs. Uh, I think that we can get, especially with this type of trade market, if people start getting creative uh, with that sort of thing, that, that we can see a little bit of... Uh, lessening of the gridlock with the trade market because we're definitely like, way, way behind where we were in years past. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a faction of a lot of things. People getting busier, the league, the state of the league, where it's at. And then, you know, I think I think the incentives of people having to finish, you know, and not give up assets is... I don't think it's created the uh, lack of people trying, but it's I think in a way definitely prevented people from either enabling big time sellers um, or enabling people that, you know, just want to buy or sell in general. Um, because no one, look, as, as great, as, as cool as it is that Chris did what he did, no one wants that to happen again. Right, right. And I mean, even I would argue no one wants what happened with Marner again because he's, it's, you want a full 12 12 team league as competitive as possible right no I mean also I'll put this out there now Marner's not going to finish in last right now if I had to bet money on it but mm-hmm. what he's did and what he's doing isn't fun it's not fun for him as much as he's saying like oh I'm going to be competing next year it's not fun for anyone else right to take that 18 months off right and you know I'm in this to have fun I don't care about yeah I might not have draft picks next year but I'm still at the top, and I'm still having fun trying to win. Oh, for sure. I mean, my year has been super disappointing, and um, right, I'm definitely enjoying I'm it. I'm sure everyone's having fun, but it's. I've it's been a, in Marner's spot when it's I acquired McGlennon's team, and I was like, "Well, holy shit, this is a complete disaster right. for me to do anything. I just need to take these flyers on guys because he basically did what Marner did the year before he gave up the team, which was sell everything to to win." I do like that we um, that Slack has been a little bit more back in vogue. There's been people going off a little bit more. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Mike Trout has never gone two straight games, more than two games, without getting on base. He's never not gotten on base for three games in his career. All right, here's a question for you. 
how many people, if you took around a picture and knocked on doors and you showed them a picture of LeBron, would be able to tell you it's LeBron? Uh, probably like 80%. Okay. I think it's higher. 85? I don't know. It's probably close. How many do you think could tell you it's Trout? Uh, probably less than 50. If I oh, yeah. I, I, my, I would say 30%. I would say lower than that. You go around my neighborhood at home. In like Cincinnati. Very suburbial. Yeah, maybe. Baseball town for the most part. I think it's less than... I think it's around 20% of people could tell you that's Mike Trout. And that's a sad state of affairs if so. I mean, it's more it. people... If you, ask, if you ask more... And Scooter, I think, said this. If you asked every single one of those people that you asked, is this Mike Trout, they wouldn't know. If you asked them who the best player in baseball right now is... Giancarlo, Judge, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Good players, but... Maybe Harper. You might get a lot of Harper love. It, dude, how about him falling off? That no, this is just more about... Why? Yeah, yeah, Harper. People say but Harper. Like he's, re- he's recognizable. If you ask people the best pitcher in baseball this year, they'd say Kershaw. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying how sick it is that the amount of things the general league knows about baseball. I was texting Rome at 1230 last night, both of us watching a Cardinals-Angels 10 o'clock game. I mean, I don't even like baseball that much to be watching it. <laughs> I like baseball, but not that much. Yeah, people do wonder how we, how we like baseball enough to keep this league up. So, uh, I mean, I, I've also seen in the last couple of years, I think people have really ramped up how much they pay attention to stuff and, like, what their knowledge is in the league. So, um, the, the conversation well, has definitely gone to a higher level. Well, I think when I first started, like, just reading fan graphs, was a way to like find like players like diamonds in the rough, but now everyone does that. So those right. players are already reading so, fangraphs is like you're reading ESPN now. You got you got to go in the stats and get yeah, into yeah. the deep the deep parts of do your okay. own research, build your own models. Right? Yeah, you got to be looking at full leaderboards, which I can get into my pitching and, and why I find guys and like, yeah, what that's I look probably, at. Probably there but, was that was uh, that was the question from the crowd is you know what is yeah. What's, uh, what are you looking for? How are you... I mean, obviously, you don't want to give away all your trades. No, I'll give it all away. And I or can't... we'll see if anyone can replicate your model. Right. So, I think one of the prevalent things that I look for first in pitching, before I even think about looking at stats, is I really think having a plus breaking ball is super important. May that be a curveball a slider, or even a changeup. Right. Or really a plus off speed. So there is a way on fan graphs to sort players based on the value of their pitches. So the first thing I look for is looking at that top tier of a changeup, a curveball, or a slider. Right? And then the next thing I really want to look at is, okay, so they have this really plus off speed pitch. Do they have a significant difference between their fastball whatever type of fastball they throw in velo and that off-speed pitch. Because I think being able to play two pitches, at least one a very plus pitch off of each other is important. So I look at the velo difference. Next, I look at that. So I want to see about a 12 to 14% velo difference between fastball and breaking ball. And breaking. It depends on which breaking ball. Sometimes a slider will be thrown a little bit harder. So that's like an eight and a half mile per hour <coughs> difference. Mm-hmm. So then... The next thing I want to look at is, okay, are they throwing an off-speed? It's a plus pitch, but is it plus because they only throw it in two-strike situations, or are they throwing off-speed pitches more than 45% of the time? Right. So I'll filter it by that. So then I have probably 40 to 50 pitchers that have 
a plus breaking pitch, um, significant change between their fastball and one of their, their, their off-speed, depending on which off-speed it is, and are they throwing 40% off-speed? Right. So then the, the next few things that I really like to see, I like to see a K per nine over eight and a half. Of course. I like to see base on balls under three per nine. Do you look at K per nine or K percent as one? Uh, normally K per nine, but I'll get into it. Pe- I've seen people get not happy with others using K per nine because the number of innings and the quality of innings and numbers, or it's more the number of batters you face in an inning is different for various pitches. So K per nine versus K percentage isn't necessarily uh, as fair an indicator. Like if you have an eight and a half K per nine, but you're only seeing three and a half batters per inning versus four and a half. Well, that's covered that's in whip, impressive. right? Um, or based on balls per well, nine. Well, it's covered in it. Yeah, the K, the K per, the K percentage to BB percentage and K per nine versus walks per nine will be equal. But the K percentage, I've seen people standing for over K per nine. Right. All right. So, K. I'll get in. There's a reason why I look. At, I look at K per nine over eight and a half. Based on balls under three. I want to see ground balls over forty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look at swinging strikes over eight and a half to nine percent. So really what I'm looking for is someone with a plus change, they throw off speed more than 40% of the time, a velo difference, high strikeouts, low walks, and ground balls. So, so a good pitcher, basically. Well, so I'll go through some of the pitchers that are on that, and then I'll go through some of the pitchers I own that are also on that, and then there's 18 pitchers, basically, that fit the agenda of all those categories. Sale, Kershaw, Sevy, Nola, Bauer are like the and Bauer is an interesting guy because he added the pitch and he also talks about in the offseason that he wants to have a straight fastball and he wants to have three pitches that break in on a righty away from a lefty and down on a lefty right and you see that tunneling that he does oh man Javi Baez is just a dirty baseball player that was gorgeous well the crazy thing about Bauer is he doesn't have and we'll get into some of my pitchers and and their differences from Bauer. All of Bauer's pitches are plus. None of them are like he doesn't have the Tyson Ross right. slider. He doesn't have and you know the that. the Strasburg curveball. But so so those are like five pitchers that are on that list. Right. Pitchers that are also on that list: McCullers, Granke, Tyson Ross, Nick Pavetta, Strasburg. I own all of those guys. P- pitchers that are not that are also on that list that I don't own. Andrew Heaney is one who I've loved and I tried to get from Marner before he got hot and now Marner won't trade him for anything that, you know... is reasonable for a guy who's pitched 100 hot innings. Right, so he's on that list. Um, someone that to watch that's on that list, and I'll give out to everyone, that I like quite a bit, but I just don't have room to add him, is Andrew Suarez on the Giants. Um, he's on that list. He's had some good starts and some bad starts, um, but he's on there. Um, I, and so there's the pitchers that aren't on there that I wanted to look at. Kluber is one. Um, the only reason why he's not on there is because he's a two-pitch guy. Right. He throws two pitches. Um, his uh, slider, whatever it is, slider curve, whatever they... It's a slider, yeah. It's the best pitch in baseball right. based on value. And then um, and then Verlander and Scherzer, they both, their money pitch, they have the two best fastballs in baseball. Right. right, so they don't rely on that plus breaking ball. Um, I would love to own either one of those guys, but they just didn't fall into my ranking. But that's basically every day I'll look at it and see if anyone else comes into that, um, you know, basically ranking. There's 18 to 20 guys, and I see that uh, one other thing I see tossed about a lot on pitchers and 
what you should be looking for is quality of contact. Like guys who are getting soft a contact. lot of strikeouts and infield flies or who are leading in soft contact percentage and you see got a lot of the top guys are on there. And I think that's why kind of what you mentioned is you still see a lot of fantasy uh, rankings with Sale as their number one pitcher now that Kershaw's off. And it's not really because of any results he's putting up versus Scherzer or Kluber. It's how he's at or near the top of every single one of these lists with all these different criteria that you find him on. And some of these guys are succeeding, but they're not like all encompassing like he does. He gets the soft contact. He's getting the ground balls. He's getting the free outs. He's getting the Ks. He doesn't have the walks. It's kind of um, it's kind of surprising to still see him at the top of the list, but I think that's where a lot of it comes from, not necessarily the actual results we've seen so far. Well, I mean, I've had this conversation with you and. I think it stems from Mara keeping or thinking about keeping Kluber in the third. I would take Sale over Kluber. And we, Next you, year, right. Right. And just when we think about right, – no, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Kluber's a top-five pitcher. Sale's a top-five pitcher. It's just a question of how much value you're getting from him right. from the third. Right. From the third, it's probably going to be a middle third, third round. Right. I mean, it's probably 12 to 15 spots, which is important. But you're not – you know, but anyway – um, it's similar to what Handy did locking up Sale this year because he knew yeah. he was going to have the last pick in the second round. No, I mean, I think there's a lot of just looking at pitchers like that, which are basically all the stats I said, mean the pitcher's probably pretty good. But I think it looks through, you know, where they get blown up, but it really isn't their fault. Or they're getting bat bipped to death, or, um, you know, they have a Sierra that's super low, but a high ERA. Um, just looking at stuff like that, I think, is a way to find and be able to try and see the light at the end of the tunnel when your guys are not performing or are performing. Or So, I mean, that's really the pitchers, and that's exactly what I look at every day, and good luck to anyone that wants to try and do it. <laughs> it sounds like you need to be able to, to set those queries up pretty decently. So Roma's we'll, got his projections. He can do it. He's got his model. Um, what, uh, what do you think is the biggest weakness on your team right now? Um, well, if you look at the standings, I think it's just quality of starting pitching that I've started. Um, I've, you know, I think like everyone, I've had blow-ups. I've had um, a lot of five and two-thirds situations. So I think being selective with starting pitching going forward, um, shortstop's a problem. I mean, I've been, there's four good shortstops in baseball. Um. I don't have one of them. The people that do have them, as of now, aren't you know too willing to move on it. Um, most of them have keeper value too. Right, exactly. So I think it's just it's really like Lindor. No, it's a huge issue with mine in the draft, and I Lindor's like Lindor's not going anywhere because Roman needs him. Segura is not going anywhere because Crisali needs him. So I guess it's really Xander's probably the best one available, or maybe Elvis Andrews. So you could get off Wilson. I mean, is Elvis Andrews going to be better than any sort of stream I could put together with good matchups? I mean... He was last year. I mean, he was a savage yeah, last yeah. year. So, I mean, that's a major issue. Um, honestly, I don't think it's a problem now, but I've traded away a really good keeper, and I don't... Normally, I have enough options, but I think that it's not a problem, but it's something that's going to become more interesting towards the end of the year. Um, starting pitching's a problem. I mean, Granky's been... Whatever I've had him for two starts. Um, Castillo has been awful. McCullers has been good. Strasburg is hurt. 
Um, Pavetta, I start him at the wrong times. <laughs> I mean, Price has been on and off, tough to judge, walking more people this year. I, that's the weird thing about my team. There isn't anything I feel awful about, but at the right. same time, I'm like, eh, I don't and know. And it's like, how do, you, where do you, how do you improve that? Because like, like you said, the shortstop, there's like two options out there, and I feel like that's the case uh, across a lot of positions. You know, like you can't – outfield is the easiest place for most people to improve, but most people have decent outfields. It's not difficult to have a good three-person outfield. No, yeah, you're right. And if you don't – I mean, there's enough guys – and we're smart enough as a league that if you don't have someone good in outfield, just stream someone for the day, and you're probably going to be able to find someone that's batting top four in a lineup against a good platoon or, you know, whatever, you know, so. It would really help if Wilson Contreras started hitting for you. Yeah. He's been, um, he's I mean, been look at his numbers. His numbers aren't bad. Yeah, they're not bad, but they're not, I mean, I guess he was a really cheap I mean, look for a catcher. I think he's okay like the third or fourth catcher overall. I think he's hitting, I mean, you tell me, I don't know. I guess it helps in an OPS league because he walks so much. I know in batting, uh, he's hitting 274. That's pretty good, actually. Dude, that Cubs lineup just doesn't put up counting stats. It's so weird. 23 runs, 23 runs, 23 RBIs for him. Yeah, he bats mostly fourth or fifth. Which is just insane because their offense is... I saw something crazy the other day. In losses, their WRC is like low 90s and in wins it's like 140 they they're either like just murdering the ball or they're completely useless yeah the cubs have been an interesting <laughs> offense um what do you well, think about uh what do you think about the the reds and orioles bet that you made with mclean and why don't you let's talk a little bottom of the mlb standings here yeah oh yeah so for anyone that isn't aware mclean was very bullish on the Orioles. Like, thought 100-1 to on the Orioles to win the World Series was a great value play. Yeah. So, I made a bet when win totals came out, and I think the Reds were at 72 and the Orioles were at 77 or something like that. I made a bet with McGlennon getting six and a half games. The Reds win total plus six and a half against the Orioles. And I've been telling McGlennon for two straight years, as has pretty much anyone else here, that... The Orioles have absolutely dog shit starting pitching. And they're going to trade Machado in the middle of the year. Um, and the Reds are young and trying to build, and Fado refuses to waive his no-trade clause. So I think the Reds are like seven or eight games up on them. Um, so I feel fantastic about that bet. Um, I also have the Red Sox win total over this year. Um that's uh, that's money in the bank. I was dumb enough to tie my Red Sox betting to better than the Yankees or the Nationals being uh, also very good, and I'm getting I'm gonna have to sweat both of those out because the Nats are currently below their win total pace, and uh, we know what's happening with the Yankees as Chris Sale proceeds to blow up in the sixth inning. Blood blow up. I mean, he's given up two runs, but um, so yeah, I mean. MLB's in a weird place right now. There's so many shitty teams, and it just seems like like there's 10 teams in the league that if your team is one of the good ones and they're playing them, and most of us root for good teams, honestly, Cubs, Red Sox, Yankees, uh, Nationals, that you, like, expect a sweep. If you don't – if you barely win two out of three games, it's a disappointment, and it's just so – it's also the ALNL strength. The uh, difference in strength is also wild right now. Well, the other problem, too, is – the Reds 
have been doing this state of rebuild now for two-ish years, I want to say. Basically since Cueto, since we decided to trade Cueto that year when the Royals won, which was what, two years ago, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Right? It was Houston. Who was before Houston? Who won the World Series before Houston? Yeah. Um, the Cubs. Right. So three years ago, it was basically the red state of rebuild. And they right. keep having these pitchers, and they can't... They have so many young pitchers that they can't develop, so it just becomes this constant state of, we can't bring any young pitchers. They're, they have Suarez, they have Senzel, they have all these young, good guys coming up. Shebler, Winker, and on the hitting side, but they can't find any pitchers, and they're not going out to the market to get anyone. It's like, if the Reds went out, Arietta probably isn't the best example, but if they got a decent starting pitcher and then middle of the season they get Tyson Ross or someone like that, that's a much different team. I don't know what their you know starting pitcher war is, but it's got to be the lowest. Their bullpen's better and their hitting's good. So that's, that's like the most unfortunate thing about rooting for a team like the Reds or even a Pirates is they're just not going to spend the money ever until they backdoor themselves into a brewer situation. I am a big, I think, and I've been saying this to everyone, and not a, not a lot of people are agreeing with me, I think the Brewers, maybe besides the Nats, have the best shot in the NL. Yeah, we we differ a little bit on the quality of the Cubs and the Dodgers compared to the Brewers. There's no question the Brewers have the lineup to compete. I just don't think that they have anything going on with their pitching besides Hader and a lot of mediocre guys who are just not going to cut it when the playoffs roll around. Yeah, well, I agree with the pitching, but I guess what we'll, we'll, they get Jimmy Nelson and they get Tyson Ross. What Jimmy Nelson brings brings back, yeah. So you think who do you think the Yankees should go after? Because I mean, talk about a team that needs pitching, especially it's so frustrating that the Yankees have really have kept up with the Red Sox because so some of their guys haven't hit and their pitching's hurt. Whereas the Sox are getting really dominant starts top to bottom of the lineup. Guys blow up occasionally, but like Erod has been incredible. Steven Wright's come back and looks sharp. Sale is Sale. Uh, Porcello's having a good year. And somehow the Yankees are just, uh, they're sticking around. And by sticking around, I mean they're 48 and 22, which is just absurd. Yeah, I think they're getting one of J.A. Happ, Tyson Ross, or Fulmer. I don't think that Archer... I mean, he's hurt, and I don't think they'll do in division. Um, you think the Rays give a fuck about in division or the Yankees, though? I don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Rays are kind of. I mean, what's their record? The Rays. So, yeah, they're a decent team for sure. They just get beat up on by the uh, by the top. I don't know if they're in still in it, but I feel like they're. They're the only team not playing tonight. Um, like Thirty-three and thirty-nine. Yeah, I mean, they're bad. Yeah, and I, I don't. Know. I, don't know. I think it's Tyson Ross and Red Sox. First Red Sox versus Yankee record, they're probably an above 500 team because they're like yeah. nine games below 500 against those two. Yeah, I mean... Life is shitty in the AL East again. Oh, and it's... I mean, I think the, the Yankees window is open for a long time. What do you think about the Mets? Sell or... or I mean, the Mets are an interesting one because they no, have... What? It, they have two top-level pitchers. They have talent coming up through the system they should hypothetically be a team that can spend money although for some reason they don't they go veteran bargain basement shopping um 
I, I don't think sell. they should run it back. Dude, that at least is about to be a fiery division. No, I don't sell. I mean, years. like like you said, first of all, from the owner's perspective, they could probably give a fuck less about... They care about the on-field, but they just got a $45 million check from every owner in baseball just got right. I know. From the media agreement. Well, so they don't. So they're going to be in the plus this year and for the foreseeable future. So why sell? I mean, they, like you said, think about they have Nimmo, Conforto, Yo, Bruce, Frazier, Ahmed Rosario, who is a number one. As Drupal, who like looks like the next Mets second baseman to come out of nowhere. As Drupal's great. I mean, Pete Alonso is getting some big hype coming up. As they have the a system. good bullpen. Once again, they're a team. If they have Degrom and and Thor healthy come playoff time, they're signing another pitcher, and they're all of a sudden, you know, with everyone healthy, a decent team. I mean, if you look at all the major teams, the Yankees don't really have anyone injured. Gary was out a little bit. The Sox. Yeah, I mean, like they the had. Sox had bets out for two weeks. Houston. Bench was out. Xander was out for a while. They've they've had Pedroia out. They've had some stuff. Pedroia fucking blows. Houston, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, Houston's really been Houston's joking. healthy. Their big thing is their pitching Look staff has stayed completely healthy. I mean, the Brewers, they started the year injured pitching, but all their offensive hitters are yeah, so healthy. Just a few weeks, but they've been the Cubs I guess are they healthy. Just got teams back. The Cubs, all oh, their players are healthy besides the, Darvish, dude. I've seen people yeah, asking right. fantasy guys if Darvish is droppable. It's not how far. Well, it's just though. vague. They're being vague about what is actually. He had like multiple injuries. Right. He might right. be out to the All Star break. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. That's like Josh Donaldson too. I know that both of them are on Roma's team, but but it's just like two guys who, coming into the year, you expect to be top performers, and now they're just kind of stuck with vague injuries and teams that were depending on them to contribute, getting nothing out of them. It's kind of well. Wild. I haven't looked at it, but. Every team, I think, has had some injury battles, fantasy-wise. Yeah, for sure. Maybe. I don't, but I don't think it's gotten to the point where we need to worry about expanding DL. No, no, no. Means. I think that's part of the challenge. I mean, three DL spots, right. I think, for the most part, is more than enough. But some people, like Wilson's beginning of the year, was bad luck. Um, Chris Harley hasn't been had that bad of he's had He's had some pitchers go, but like it looks like Cookie's gonna be okay. Yeah, but he had some pitchers go, but he kept Rodon and Inyel on his DL, on his fucking team for right. He could months have, on end. If he, he could really have been cared, doing stuff he, if he cared about yeah, that. Yeah, really, exactly. And I mean, now he might be able to reap the rewards of that because it seems like dudes are coming Rodon back. Pitched, he pitched tonight. Rodon did pitch tonight, and he did not pitch well. Uh, uh, six and a third, six and a third, four. He started start like Boston, Cleveland. Like his first three starts back have been good teams. At Boston, Cleveland, at Cleveland. Three What's start. next? Huh? What's um, next? next is Oakland visiting and at Texas. Oh, yeah. Fire away. So those are, yeah, those are better starts. And I mean, Chris Hawley's, he's pacing so far ahead. Like he's doing it again. He's got Shohei, Tanaka, and Suspedis on his DL. And he's who do you not start on his fucking? He's just riding. Step. He's just you riding to, Cookie. Yeah, no, you dude. can you can match up if you really want Fulmer to. Fulmer, you can match up too if you're worried about K's low K numbers. But besides that, he's um, all I mean, those pitchers are top thirty. Pitch. You can't sit any of those dudes. Yeah, there's well, I guess with Shohei and Tanaka down, he's down to about five 
mostly startable guys. Rodon can pitch his way into that. Like Fernando Romero, you're not thrown out there every time. Yo, I have a wild scenario. Which is? Chris sells like a mofo with the trade deadline to everyone else in the league that's trying to move up and already has first locked in. I mean, yeah. He could sell every bench player for the most part. He'll be close to starts <laughs> with six weeks left that he can keep like four horses and sell everyone else and just he get whatever mid-range picks he He doesn't he can necessarily get. need DJ LMD or Segura. Or keep those guys and in trade or Arenado and like... And D or something. Like, yeah. if someone wants to move up and steal... Just trade it everyone but, like, Todd, me, and Roma. And fucking be ready to retool and run it back. Yeah. yeah I mean... Trade it to you're Haney, not wrong because if, Wilson, he can, if, he can, if he can stay far enough out in front where he can, you know, feel comfortable with that, if it would be pretty difficult to catch him if he had a lead like he does now, then he could definitely do that, do some streams, keep the counting stats going. We probably shouldn't have said that, but... Well, whatever. Chris, I mean, if you're listening... Uh, well, Chris only listens to the parts where know, he talks about him. That, that, would be, that would be the ultimate dunk. If you could if you could win the league while selling, no one's ever done that. Even what if he when pulled he, off, he won the league, Andy, won and he pulled so off a better sale than Marner's pulling off. And so he came in the next year, like he was able to get, his, <laughs> get a first round pick back. Marner so had to sell everything. To, and, if it, and Chris has sold everything last year. Chris probably has this, this year. better And he's going to sell Marner. again. Chris is going to be a seller this year. So, and Chris Ollie's working with, uh, Reese is still a keeper. Tommy Pham is still a keeper. I guess there's nothing really much else left on his offense that's keepable. Who knows with pitching? It doesn't – none of these – oh, Seve's still a keeper. Shohei's still a keeper. He's going to have to keep Shohei in the majors. I guess he he can come up with a fourth when he sells. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's a great idea. Yeah, we'll see if he has the balls to go for it because he's – there's definitely with, – with only 10-team 10, 10 hitters, he, he has – a lot of excess that like he probably isn't going to need to win the league like John Hicks he's carrying one of the best catchers recently because the dude just plays first base uh, and he could flip that to someone who needs catching help I guess the only person that would need catching help trying to catch him would probably be Todd because you have Wilson and Roma has Gary who does Todd have a catcher Haney needs a catcher so God. fucking badly <laughs> he's like streaming the worst catchers every day he needs a catcher. I don't know who he's working with now. He's got Yachty back. Oh, okay. But Yachty's got a 740 OPS. Um, yeah. 14 runs scored. That's. I guess he's only had 150 at-bats. He's actually been all right. Schwerbaum. Chris has to, Chris so, has to battle the internal thing of wanting to be the highest finishing team ever, which legends never die, or does I he mean, want to position himself... To get back that first and fourth that he sold <coughs> last year, I think I think that would be the the ultimate uh, the ultimate fuck you to all of us. Instead of breaking some record by a marginal amount, which we kind of all expected him to at least approach, kind of like the Yankees setting the home run record, uh, he could he could really throw us all for a loop and retool. And I mean, I don't even know. How how it would be possible for someone to go back to back titles in today's day and age of the TPL? It would be so hard to be able to stay out in front enough. You would have to have five stud keepers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard. Back to back. I mean, Roman and I are gonna be. 
back-to-back money, or we're close to back. As of now, we're back-to-back money. That's yeah, if you not finish e- top four, well, that's yeah, money, top apparently. four. I think it's easier to sustain. I think at least up until last year, it'll be very interesting next year when we don't have a major buyer or major seller in the draft, and we all have five keepers and most of our picks. Right. Because that'll be a real how that'll, good it'll are be, you at It'll fantasy? be very smooth. How good are you at fantasy? It'll baseball? definitely be a much more. It'll be a smoother asset. Um, it's gonna be wild allocation. Game Everyone's like right now. Yeah, Marner has two first round picks, but his keepers. Oh, are, did Carp just yank one? Yes, he did. His keepers are and he's hot. You know, whatever. Um, so that sucks. That's my closer. God, <laughs> I wanted to get him off of. Wilson so bad, and it's I not even a fucking closing situation. Have to try and talk to Wilson, convince Wilson to trade him. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, we'll definitely see what shakes out of the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, now that conference season is over for me, I will be able to uh, do these with a little bit more frequency. So, I think one last thing we can touch on here: uh, not exactly fantasy baseball, but fantasy sports. You have come up with uh, with a pretty wild concept for a combined college NFL dynasty football league year to year. We're trying to recruit people, so give everybody the elevator pitch. And if if your interest has been piqued by at the end of this podcast, uh, hit us up. Um. So I think this stemmed from wanting to create an experience with football that could rival uh, the TPL experience. So that kind of came about um, doing a joint um, college football NFL uh, dynasty league um, that utilizes contracts. So basically the gist of it would be there would be an individual um, college football league and there would also be a uh, individual NFL season that have different rankings, obviously, different standings, different payouts. But the unique part of it is the guys that you have on your college team, when they move to the pros, you have the ability to sign them to your roster on the pro team. It's a contract-based league. So if Prats has Tom Brady, the, the value of Tom Brady would be a three-year contract. It's $65. There's a salary cap. When guys enter restricted free agency, you're able to put in a bid for that player to try and take them from someone else. That person has the opportunity to meet that. Um, There's a supplemental draft where if you have leftover cap space, you can take guys that weren't, you know, drafted from people's college rosters onto their teams. So it's a similar TPL experience, but it's a a joint college NFL um, experience. I can imagine most of the people listening to this may not be interested, but that's that's what it is. All right. Let us know if you're interested in that. Uh, hope everybody who listens to this had a good time. And uh, obviously, if you want to be on it extra bad and you haven't already, uh, just find me on Slack. Peace.